Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, September 28th. And on today's show, we are reviewing the entire week four DFS board for the Sunday Classic Slate. We're going through all the best bets, the high spends, the mid-tier options, and the values you can find on that classic board so that you can win the Millie Maker, except you're going to be competing with the both of us, so maybe you'll come in third. Joining me as he does every Thursday on these shows is the guy who brings the heat, even though his initials are AC. Alex Cohen, how you doing? Welcome back for, I think, the fourth time this season, right? You've been with me every week so far? I think I missed week one because I was moving down to here in South Florida, but uh, no, it's been a good three-week run, and uh, hey, we're just getting started, so let's keep it rolling. We don't spend much time reviewing the previous week, but I will shout you out quickly because I know you absolutely crushed it last week. Gave some stinkers, gave some great, you know, betting picks. I think on the betting picks, I'm four for four. I'll give you two more this week, and uh, for the most part, the guys I gave last week were fairly productive, Um, so let's get into it this week. All right, sweet. So let's start with the quarterback position. Let's jump right into it. Again, we are breaking down the week four DFS board. We are going to give a high spend option, a mid-tier option, and a value option at every position. We will certainly work through the entire board, talk about a lot of options, discuss which players should be in target in a GPP, which target, which players are better in a cash game, which players you could stack and correlate together, and how you're essentially going to be building your lineup and then give you guys the tools to then say, okay, if I want to spend high spend here or value option here, these are some good targets. So Hopefully, this will provide you guys all the information. Of course, I will be back on Saturday with a core four show, which will be these are the four players definitely in my lineup, but I could probably be pretty damn sure, barring some late-breaking injury news, all four of those players will be discussed on those today's show. And that starts with, at the high-spend quarterback option, uh, Josh Allen in this game against the uh, Miami Dolphins at home. Over under in this game is 53 and a half, and it doesn't seem like it can get high enough. It keeps moving up, 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 and up. I wouldn't be surprised if this closes at 54 and a half. Josh Allen is the highest priced quarterback on the slate at 8,200. To me, he is worth it. If you are playing in a cash game, it's to me a no brainer. There's plenty of stack options. You're going to want pieces of this game all over the place. On the reverse side of that game, Tua is definitely an option too. 7,400, also a high spend. The one thing I would be a little bit scared of, even though this Miami team seems borderline unstoppable, putting up 70 points against Denver last week, that was insane. Um, This Buffalo defense at home is very good. And this Buffalo team has had this Miami team's number, right? So like, I think the last four games between these two teams, The Buffalo Bills have won, which included three meetings last year, twice in the regular season and once in the playoffs. Uh, Miami Dolphins are going to have this game circled. You have the game circled for whoever beats you in the playoffs when you see them the next year. So it's the first time they're facing each other. But in Buffalo, I lean towards taking the Josh Allen side of this. Uh, Then the other quarterbacks on the board, I mean, from high spend options, I'll throw this to Alex, but we have Hertz, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Kirk Cousins, all also above 7,000. We use that 7,000 mark as the cutoff for high spends. AC, are you going with me on Josh Allen in Buffalo, or do you have your eyes on a different high spend quarterback option? 
So this is kind of a deja vu from last week, right? You know, you gave Mahomes and uh, Allen last week, which, like I said, those are guys that I love always. Um, I try to never skimp on the quarterback position just because of the solid floor on some of these high guys and the potential upside. But last week I kind of took a step down um, to make sure that, you know, I was playing the best guys, but also trying to save a little bit of money. And they ended up being one and three on the DFS fantasy slate. And I'm going to go with the same two guys this week um, because I do think that they're high scoring games. It's, it's Justin and Kirk, you know, Justin ended up first last week. Kirk was three. Um, but, you know, if you had to go to spend high spending quarterback and you're not going to get Mahomes because of the SNF football, you know, I'm going with Kirk and Herbert again. For some reason, they still have value underneath the Allens and the Hurtses of the world. And they're putting up the production that I think you can save a couple hundred dollars, if not a thousand on, that is going to be productive. So those are still two of my guys. I'm going to keep riding them. And they've done well so far. Yeah, Justin Herbert, 7,800. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 7,100. So, yeah, he's close to – like he's over $1,000 savings from the Josh Allen, which is probably the direction I'm going to go. If we were going to slide down this board a little more and entertain the idea of playing uh, the, the, the Daniel Jones type in week two, Alex Daniel Jones had the most points on the slate. So if you were in a GPP tournament and you wanted to deviate from – the most owned option and you wanted to say who's someone that could potentially still break the slate and be of value here. Are you looking at a guy like Anthony Richardson returning, even though he's at home, that game in the Rams uh, Colts games. I talked about this when I did the Tuesday show, there's some real sharp money on the over for this game. This line moved from 45 to 47 and there's no public person coming in and betting the over in the Rams Colts game. So that's how, you know, that's some serious sharp money. Uh, Justin Fields at home. Can it get any worse? Or is he finally going to start running Denver Broncos just allowed 70 points and they refuse to really tackle anybody. So is Justin Fields running loose because he's incredibly hard to, to tackle. Um, Joe Burrow, is he finally healthy? Are we getting a massive discount on this guy at 6,500? We know the Tennessee run defense is vaulted, so the way that you beat the Tennessee Titans is to throw on them. He has the best weapons. That game might be a high-scoring affair, even though we're projecting some low-scoring teams that come into that contest. Is that a place to hunt value? Or do we even slide further down the board and say, we are all in on C.J. Stroud? Are we just saying that this Texans quarterback is throwing with insane volume, running very frequently, and he's worth taking a stab on, or a guy like Jameis in a revenge game against his old team in the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know when Jameis plays, he puts up stats. 5,300, he's got Mike Thomas, he's got Olave, he's got Jimmy Graham in the red zone, he's got Raheed Shahid for the downfield ball. Are any of these other names piquing your interest at all? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you made really good points for all of them. And they're all someone, all, they're all people that if, if you're really going to go under that, you know, Kirk Cousins level that I think I would pay attention to. Um, Anthony Richardson coming off concussion, even though the practice in full today kind of scares me because, you know, how willing are they to risk his head again? That being said, if he's playing, he's playing and, and, and they need him to be, you know, diesel force um, to be able to stay in that game with the Rams most likely, but I'm actually going to go a completely different guy that you didn't name that um, I think uh, 
it could just be randomly a week for him to to throw for three touchdowns. And even if he only throws for 250 yards, but it's Brock Purdy against the uh, Cardinals. The Cardinals have uh, shown that they're somewhat of a formidable team. I don't know how formidable. I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, Connor practiced uh, today limited, so he probably will play, which is a huge bump for that offense. So, listen, I don't think that the Niners-Cardinals game is going to be that close, but if the Cardinals can continue to play some decent defense and score, maybe they do have to go to Brock Purdy on some good options, and maybe this is a random week that he has that production with all the weapons he has, and instead of, you know, the Cardinals might say, hey, we're going to load the box and say, you're not doing your 49ers run thing on us. And Purdy has to make some of those play action open throws. You know, I could see him having a 220, 225 yard throwing week with three to four touchdowns. And hey, maybe they get on the one yard line and the QB sneak it in. Who knows? But if I was going to go a little bit lower, I would go for a really high scoring, productive offense and, and take that quarterback, I think. That's another game that's sharp to the over, but I'm just going to flat out hope you're wrong because. You know, Rich Geiner is playing him against me in fantasy. I'm sure you've seen this week. Let's move it over. I was going to shout out Rich because I know he started this week and he made a big trade with you. So, you know, Rich, I – Let's have that not be a week at this point. And and I like your start this week. So, shout out Rich. Let's do uh, the running back position. McCaffrey at the top. We just talked about that game. He is an unstoppable force no matter how many – Arizona Cardinals are stacked in the box. CMC will find his way through a hole. Uh, 9,200, probably the highest spend optional. Oh, no, Jefferson's even higher. Uh, we'll talk about him in a bit, but definitely the highest spend running back option. Always a safe bet. DraftKings is a full PPR. I will point that out every time we talk about Christian McCaffrey. So he's always a good bet. I have nothing wrong to say with him. If that's where you're going to be putting your money, I like it. Uh, Austin Eckler returning off the injury. We do these shows early in the week where we could talk about these high spend options because we know if you are going to invest $8,500 into a player, you want him to be healthy and active and out there and taking volume. So Eckler is back at practice from the early reports, but that doesn't make me want to take him and spend $8,500 in his first game back from an ankle sprain. So Let's hold off on Eckler. I think this is the week where you don't play him. I think especially if you're going to go with the Herbert option and we start talking about stacks, we'll get into the Keenan Allen having another dominant week. We'll get into the Josh Palmer or Quinton Johnson angle, but I don't think this is the place that we play Eckler. And if there's a surprising turn in Eckler's health and Josh Kelly's the starter again, I also don't think we play him because he's shown to be nothing but a scrub. Uh, Tony Pollard is home against New England. Scary to go against that vaulted New England defense, but I do think he's going to get a nice volume of work. Uh, Rico Dowd played a lot last week. Uh, That could have been just the Cardinals situation, but now a home game, we're coming off a loss against the Patriots. I think we're going to see the veteran presence of Tony Pollard. We also have the revenge game of Zeke back in Dallas. Maybe he's a value option. Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Raheem Mostert has made his way to the high spend options. Out of these players that are like Raheem Mostert and up on the board, Alex, who's your favorite high spend option? For me, it's pony up for McCaffrey, unless I'm going to find value here. Yeah, no. Um, So it's funny, right? Because Raheem Mostert to me is somebody that I've never really considered as a really reliable, you know, startable running back each week. Um, but the Dolphins passing attack, and, and, I, and I think I read this correctly. I might please 
correct me if I'm wrong, but Waddle's playing this week, which is going to keep opening up that box. I know he's a little bit questionable going in. Um, but I really think that he is going to continue to be that guy who's going to get the majority of the carries. Even though Achain had a great week last week, you know. A lot of it was cleanup duties. It, it was like A lot of it was duties. the game was in hand, and he still broke huge plays that probably aren't replicable. It, it, exactly. And also, here's the point, like, this game and, and last week I gave you a theme of the game, a lot of players that I liked, which was the Chargers Viking games. There was a lot of people that had high performance in those games. This The game this week that I think is going to be the high scoring game is obviously the Bills and the Dolphins. Um, so I really think that Mostert can have another giant week. And like you said, he's going to be the first option no matter what. Um, just because McDaniel trusts him in the system, he knows what he's going to do if there has to be checks and, and understands the system. Might that change later in the season when Achain has more experience in, in the NFL? For sure. But, you know, if, if you're going to go lower, um, I'd go maybe Mostert if you're not going to go the high-spending guy. What I will say is if you really do want to go the high-spending guy with Eckler, I've been burned before of thinking, hey, maybe they're not going to get this guy involved because he is coming off some, some, some type of an injury. But to flip that, usually when these high-volume guys are ready to go or slightly ready to go, they don't care. They're not going to risk him if he's not ready to go. Eckler's probably still going to get his normal volume, especially with game script in this game, I think. Um, so if I was going to go really high, Eckler, but a little bit lower than that, Mostert. Okay, and then if we're going through the mid-tier options, right? So is this the bounce-back game for Ramondre? We have Kamara coming back off the suspension, and there doesn't really seem to be much competition with the other injuries in that backfield. The two that really stand out to me are playing against each other, so I really want to get your opinion on this because you never want to take opposing running backs against each other. I do think the value looms so large and the workload looms so large on both of these players that if you're playing in a cash game, you can play both of them. But if you're playing in a GPP tournament, you cannot play running back and opposing running back. That would be, we say it like once an episode, dumb as fuck, don't do it. So do not play opposing running backs in a GPP tournament. No matter how good your football brain is, there's only so much that you can do to beat the math of what the DFS world shows. So you like to pair when your brain works accordingly with the DFS math and put those things together to really hit big. You don't want to try and break the math that's been proven over and over again. And opposing running backs is one of the biggest violations you could possibly do. Uh, those players, Alex, who are opposing each other, who I really like, and would finagle in a cash game, but not in a GPP is that Rams Colts game, Kyron Williams and Zach Moss, both at 5,000, uh, both at $6,000. Neither one of those teams had a running back who got another touch last week. They both had 100% of the running back touches. Zach Moss got 30, the ball 30 times and Kamara. I mean, uh, Kyron Williams, got seven targets. So the volume is extreme with these guys. I already talked about that game having a ton of sharp money on the over. So if we're looking at high, like a high scoring game with these cheap volume options, like I said, the value looms so large. Who do you choose between Kyron Williams and Zach Moss? Gun to the head. Probably Kyron Williams with Anthony Richardson back. 
Um, you know, that's good. a good, that's a, that's, you know what? Yeah. But, just but what I will say is neither. <laughs> and uh, you did really, name, yeah, no, neither. that's, that's that, that, that game to me is just extremely unpredictable. Um, you know, we've only seen very small portions of Anthony Richardson. The Rams have looked great and looked terrible at the same time. You know, I, I just don't know really what to How expect. can you, how can you say neither when both of those guys are getting more workload and more volume than Eckler, Pollard, Jacobs, Henry, Mostert, Mick, all of them? Again, because it's, I just don't trust what I expect from either team yet this season. Um, I don't know if the Rams are good or bad, and I don't know if the Col- what the Colts are like with Anthony Richardson with such a small sample size. So, look, Zach Moss had a huge week last week, and he's obviously RB1 going forward, and there's always going to be that break-off potential. But we also know what Zach Moss is. He's not some type of elite running back that is, you know, a Brees Hall or a Saquon Barkley or a whatever you want to call your elite running backs, right? Um, so I just don't know enough on that game to really, you know, go all in on that. What I will say is if I did have to pick one, it would be Kyron. I think that that production is kind of a lock to continue. I mean, that production, but volume is more of a lock to continue than Zach. Um, but if you want against the guy that I want and you named him, and it's a guy that I drafted in my snake league and was waiting on him for three weeks, it was Alvin Kamara. Um, this is a weird stat to know, but because no one ever thinks look Derek Carr is actually one of the most consistent quarterbacks at targeting the running back in the past game. I mean, we saw it last year with Jacobs. He had his he had his highest uh, receptions of his career. Um, and what I know from Alvin Kamara, and I'm sure all of us listening know, is that guy knows how to get open in the short pass game. And you know, the Saints office has been struggling a little bit. They're going to maybe either lead on Carr or Jameis. I mean, I think if you go in PPR or even half PPR that, you know, Kamara's going to come back with a huge role. And, hey, maybe is it this week? Is he rusty? Potentially. But let's say he's a big week. His, his number is going to be completely different next week. So I think maybe if you can catch lightning in a bottle this week, he, he could be a decent play. Does that change if Jameis is the starting quarterback? Um, it doesn't necessarily because I just think that they've been waiting for another offensive weapon to supplement the, the guys they have on the outside. Um, and hopefully Jameis can understand game script, and and I really do believe in their coach, and I think he's smart. Um, So I I think that they will try to get Alvin involved, and he has such big play potential and volume potential, and he's cheap right now. I I think that as a mid-level player, he could be a pop-off type. I mean, listen, we've all seen Kamara have three catches for like 40 yards and three touchdowns randomly. Like, at, at the number he's having, do I think that's out of the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. I think that he could have a big week. Is there anyone lower than like in like the real value option of running back? I personally just don't really see it this week. Is it like Damian Pierce all the way at 5,100? Like what's the lowest person that you would go as you scroll through this board? Is yeah. there really anyone that's that stands out who's like a value, value bottom of the board? Absolutely. I actually love a guy this week, and this goes back to the game that I think is going to be the high-scoring game, and, and it's going to be a dogfight all the way up to the end. Um, Damian Harris. You know, I think that the Dolphins aren't the best defense in the world. I think they have, like, uh, you know, turnover potential and, like, big play potential as a defense, but, you know, the Bills have Josh Allen and a solid running game and a bunch of ups on the outside. Like, I think they're going to be able to consistently move the ball down to the red zone against the Dolphins, and they're going to have to. And you know, look, 
Josh Allen on the red zone is obviously an extremely scary situation. But if you really watch the Bills, they are not like the Eagles where they just go into that, you know, rugby huddle formation. You know, they were they know that Josh is going to take risky hits over the year, and they'd rather hand it to their running back on first and goal than put Josh in a situation to, you know, be Superman. So, you know, I think in a high-scoring game and goal line back, uh, Damian Harris could be a very, very low play for spending big elsewhere to potentially get a couple touchdowns. I'd also be a little bit worried of the Latavius Murray presence. He's been kind of filling the same role with Damian Harris. I, th- I think in a GPP, you could roll that dice between Harris or Murray, and if you end up getting it right in that shootout and getting the guy who gets two poached touchdowns and Volter touchdowns, and that's amazing. Um but I'd be, eh, that, that one concerns me a little bit. Let's slide over to the wide receivers. Justin Jefferson comes in highest on the board, 9,600. No surprise there. Uh, the surprise is that Tyreek isn't just along with him in the price tag. 9,200. Uh, Tyreek in that game seems like a very compelling option, especially with the if you're playing uh, – if you're playing the Josh Allen as your spend up quarterback, then you have the opposing wide receiver in Tyreek. That makes a lot of sense. If that game is high scoring, you have the option of just super stacking that game with Tyreek and Diggs, and then even throwing in like a Gabe Davis or one of the tight ends there. Um, Devonte Adams, always, always, always an option. He dominated last week. This week he's playing against the chargers and we know all receivers dominate the chargers. So Devonte should pick up right where he left off. Keenan Allen coming in 7,900 at this point, we'd have to question, is he going to get so much more volume with Mike Williams gone, or is he going to get so much more coverage that the volume goes elsewhere? And he's actually at a loss for it. Uh, Jamar chase 7,800 is less than all of those guys that I just named. If you had told me three weeks ago that Jamar chase costs less than Keenan Allen, I would have told you Jamar chase is an instant buy. So. I think in this matchup, that's very, 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 very compelling. Uh, A.J. Brown, also over $7,000. I'll make him the cutoff on calling this like the elite wide receiver group because even though we have a few more over 7000 the Waddle, the Smith, not as, not as you know, high elite tier. Uh, A.J. Brown paired with Jalen Hurts. This is the game that the Eagles lost last season that broke their undefeated streak, was going against the Washington Commanders. Do the Eagles come out mad and trying to prove a statement and continuing this season's undefeated record? Or do the commanders once again stop the streak? I think those are all interesting options. Alex, if you are going to high spend at wide receiver, who's the choice? Oh, no, I got to go this way. Uh, there he is. See the Terp? See, you, see the, you see my Maryland Terpin? We're going Stefan Diggs. Back to the game that I think is going to be extremely high scoring. He's a couple of levels lower than three top guys. Keenan Allen being that expensive is, is a little bit insane in my opinion. But, hey, you know, if you produce over – It's, a lot, years, it's you know, a lot of insane in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, a lot, a lot of insane. But, no, Stefan Diggs is, uh, is, is kind of a discount compared to those other three guys at the top right now from what I'm seeing. So, you know, he had, what, a huge game last week. They got by – they got back to giving him, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere between 12 to 14 targets. Um, I think he had nine or eight catches, maybe 10, whatever it is. But, um, you know, the Dolphins cornerback situation, you know, Xavier Howard doesn't look great to me in the last two years. Uh, you know, I watch the Dolphins a lot, obviously, being a Jet fan in the AFC East. 
I don't think he's going to be able to hang with Diggs. You know, if they had Ramsey still, that would be some kind of a stopper that I would think of against like the Garrett Wilsons, the Stephon Diggs of the um, AFC East. So I think that I think that the Bills are going to keep feeding Diggs because it's been working since that week one kind of debacle. And and, and I think that he's the wide receiver one that uh, I would spend on this week. I think Diggs is a phenomenal option. I think really there's there's a lot of receivers at the top of the board like every week you can't go wrong and there's actually some beautiful matchups throughout so i can foresee myself not only spending up once but spending up twice at the receiver position and finding those kyron williams and those jerome fords in the value running back positions uh if you were going to because you can't spend three times high up at wide receiver you end up looking for some value options at that position um puka nakua i mean i think this is the first time i've mentioned him on the pod Six thousand seven hundred. it's not really much value at all but again that game is being sharp towards the over so like a nice gpp stack and riding the, the combination of stafford nakua one more time and then using that extra money to go get like Diggs and tyreek and still get action in that other game seems formidable uh mike williams is going to be out so we need to talk about the uh, Quinton Johnson and the Josh Palmers as great value options. Tutu Atwell is still balling. Jacoby Myers is a PPR king. Uh, DJ, uh, I mean, Jordan Addison, who's the other? Zay Flowers. These are other rookies who have been doing great. Uh, do you want to target one of them? Gabe Davis has another taste of that big scoring game. Who's the value option receiver? I didn't have to name them. You could choose someone else that I didn't name that you're looking at this week. So if we're talking mid or low, you know, there's two guys, uh, you know, mid, I went into a lot of them last week, so I don't need to kind of go into my low fest about him, but I think Nico Collins even, and I didn't start him. I think I said that last week that I was starting Pickens over him, which did have a better week, but in my own fantasy team, uh, season long fantasy, but Nico Collins is still out of value that I think is incredible to get for somebody who, is getting that target share and is obviously now getting a quarterback where the offense trusts him to be able to kind of air it out and is more comfortable and looks more comfortable every week. So, you know, with that mid value range, I still think Nico Collins can give you wide receiver one type numbers at the value that he's getting. I would still ride with him and then to even go lower than that. And, and this is another point I made last week about kind of reverting back to preseason this early in the season, reverting back to what we thought players could be preseason and players that have maybe underperformed um, that you can get at a cheaper price that could have a great week. And it's another guy who's actually on my fantasy team. It's, it's Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, I think that that game is going to potentially have to throw a little bit for the, for the skins. And he's a great receiver. I, I just don't know if they've gone back to the tape enough yet to maybe see what they're doing wrong. How can we get him more involved? And you see it all the time. They go back to the tape and they say, Hey, this is, a, this is a playmaker of ours that we need to get the ball in his hands. What are we doing wrong to not get the ball in his hands? And sometimes you could buy low on those players, and all of a sudden they have a pop-off week, and I think Jahan Dodson has the talent to completely do that. And then I'm looking at it like Quinton Johnson is 3,700. Josh Palmer's 4,000. Those are both very, very playable. Those are both like almost just plug them in, in in a cash lineup and take the value of both of them. I personally lean Josh Palmer a little bit at the 4,000. I think that's an absolute cash game lock. I think he will be in the core four 
pretty much absolutely. So that seems like the best value option on the entire board to me so far. Let's go over to the tight end position. When we start getting to tight end, we don't break it down by elite versus value versus mid-tier because it is all a fucking wasteland. We just go through it and we pick out two options, especially because Kelsey's not even on this slate, so we don't even have what's considered an elite tight end. It just starts with Hawkinson. And Hawkinson isn't in the same breath as when we break down the McCaffreys and the and the Justin Jeffersons and the Josh Allens. Uh, he's still a good player, but he's not that. So I'll throw it to you first. Who are your two tight end options and why? <laughs> yeah, so no Kelsey this week, and we all know that Kelsey's a cheat code, so you're going to not spend elsewhere. Always go Kelsey. Um, but I, I'm going to spend on the guy that I think um, is just also kind of uh, – Potential 100-yard, one-touchdown guy, and he's going to be expensive, but it's Hawk. You know, he's going to probably continue to have 10 targets a game. He had 78 yards or something like that last week. He didn't get the end zone. But I, I just can I, – I see that I, – I think that he's going to continue to see that volume. And then obviously as a tight end in the red zone, you know, you never know when it's going to be that crazy week where they do score two touchdowns and they don't score four touchdowns for – they don't score for a touchdown for four weeks. You never know. Um, so I would spend up on Kelsey and then I'm still big on, um, Ferguson from the Cowboys. You know, uh, I mentioned him last week as kind of a lower option. I think the volume has been there. He's impressed me after the catch. He didn't really get to showcase that as much last week, still had good volume, ended up putting up some yards, didn't get in the end zone, but, um, you know, the Cowboys didn't have their best week last week. Obviously no one was expecting that. Maybe get into a little bit of that. I'll tell you how that they screwed me on a minus one teaser, but, um, I, I still think that he's going to see volume in that offense uh, and they're going to keep continue to get the ball back and uh, he can continue to produce. At tight end, I always like to lean into the optimizer. So I'll just give out uh, Fryermuth right now is being played by nearly every optimizer. So that's the direction that I would go. I'll just leave it at one name, 3,400. He's kind of right there on the middle of the tight end board towards the value option. I'm massively on the over for that game. It opened at 40.5. It's all the way up to 42 and a half. That's huge movement for a Pittsburgh-Houston Texans game. Uh, I just blindly will be playing Fryermuth. He will be core four on Saturday's show. Uh, defense, let's do the same thing. I'll start off and give my two options. Uh, I think at this, you have to just say at the top of the board, spending up for the 49ers might be worth it. Uh, going against the Cardinals, Coming off 10 days rest, playing last week Thursday, that mini-buy has shown to be one of the most advantageous things. It's actually more advantageous for teams than having a full bye week. Alex, do you know why that would be? Why would having an extra three days be better than having an extra seven days? Because the other team doesn't have as much rest. Uh perhaps yes but i was that's a good point because often when you're coming off a buy you're facing another team coming off a buy so that would skew the statistics but i'm talking about specifically a rest advantage having a uh three-day rest advantage is better than having a seven-day rest advantage oh, and i see you and i see your wondering eyes and the re no 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 i'm just going to cut you off and tell you it the reason is because when you have a three-day rest and you play on the previous Thursday, they call it the mini-buy, the extra three days, you don't travel with your family. You go to the practice facility and get your treatment. You stay in your routine of the football. When you have your real bye week, you a lot of these players do not come to the facility. They travel. They're not in their same routine. So their real 
preparation advantage is is when you have an extra three days because when you come back the following Tuesday for practice again, that's like you're just starting your normal week and you took eight days off. So the bye week doesn't really, for some of the craziest players, it definitely does. But for the general sentiment of a team, and it's been shown in a gambling sense, that three-day rest, that three-day rest advantage coming off the mini buy is the most advantageous rest advantage in football. We see the 49ers dominant defense coming off that. Isn't that, what I, just, to... isn't that what I just said though? I said they have they have a mini buy more rest than a week than the team coming off of a Sunday game. It's the same thing. Yeah, maybe maybe we had a maybe there's confusion, but I I don't know. I just went into it. So the, I think the 49ers are a great option. 4,700. Um they are the highest spend option. So I think at defense, they're not going to be the highest owned option. A lot of people like to save money on defenses. A lot of people like to just go to the defense page first, pluck someone near the bottom and see how much money they could save for other positions. You don't have to do that. This 49ers defense can actually put up some real fucking points. So I think you can get them. I would steer clear of the Steelers because I talked about the over in that game. Uh, The Cowboys got to be an option. This uh, New England offense is is pretty bad. They lack the explosive plays. And even with Trayvon out, I think they're going to be low-owned and a decent option. Um, the last place that I would go in terms of a value option is the Denver Broncos. I'm not sure where I could find them. Three th- ah, three. Whenever you're playing against Justin Fields, Alex, you're not that popular. Turn off your fucking sound. Uh, <laughs> I think the Broncos also provide a good option because you're going against Justin Fields. Where would you go for defense? I, I, my guy, I apologize. I'm literally trying to stop. The apologize to the listeners. To anyone who's still bearing with Alex through this, we're in the same text group right now. So I'm actually getting all of the text he's getting, and I'm actually getting them one second before that he's getting them. So I see it on my screen and know a ding's coming. And the ding ain't coming from me, fellas. So we could all yell at AC, but he's still bringing the heat with the picks. And he's 4-0. And we're about to get into the betting portion. So give us your defense. Then let's get yeah, out some Let's, let's, get, to, let's get, get to the defense real quick. Because honestly, it's for me, it's it's pretty straightforward on defense this week. I actually don't really like any of the low spend options. I would spend high on defense this week. Uh, I, I'm going Eagles. I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Niners. So we can just go straight forward there. Like I think that some of the other options you're – you're just really hoping for lightning in a bottle, and I don't see it. So I would spend up on defense this week, and uh, I apologize. Okay. Uh, apology accepted. I don't actually mind that much. I feel bad for the listeners, I but I don't really care. Um, we'll figure. We'll have it figured out by next week. We'll have that shit muted in settings. Um, the reason to take the viewers, to take the listeners behind the curtain, the reason is because he's doing it through his computer volume, and his computer volume is the one doing the text. It's not a phone on the side. Um what bets do you like? You are 4-0 and on bets that you've given out on the show. I will throw it straight to you. What is your favorite bets, sides, totals, props, you name it? What do you like? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you know, I stay away from props. I, I'm just I'm not good at that. But um, I do have some lines that I like this week. And uh, let's go in reverse, actually. I'm going to go to the Monday night game. And this is the team I gave you guys last week. Um the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks are better than they've performed. They showed it a little bit last week. They put up 37. They covered. Um, they were 10. I think that the line was minus one and a half, and you wanted to tease the Panthers to seven. Seahawks covered easily. Um, I think the Giants suck. <laughs> I think that they have 
no idea what type of team they are. I think that Daniel Jones doesn't know what he's doing. And I think that the Seahawks, um, obviously they got off to a bad start, but they're going to continue to be a great team. And I, and I think that they were the team that's going to come second in that NFC West division easily. And I, and I think that they probably could be the first or second wildcard team in the NFC. So I'm going to ride the Seahawks against a Giants team that I think is absolutely god-awful. Um, so I would lay the points with the Seahawks. No-brainer. What do you think? I'm going to agree with you. Um, Seahawks opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Then it swung the other way, and the Giants became the one-and-a-half-point favorite. So then there was some big money on the Giants. All of a sudden, it made no sense to me, and I didn't bet it then. I should have grabbed the plus 1.5 because thinking like, is this going to get further out where I get a, you know, plus 2.5? Can I tease this up to plus 8.5 eventually? Uh, Now it's back the other way. So I guess money came back in the other direction on the Seattle Seahawks. I'm showing 79% of the bets, 74% of the money. So it does seem like it's a bit of a public money spot coming in on the Seattle Seahawks. I don't really care too much about that right now because this New York Giants team, they're atrocious. Uh, they're called the New York football giants. They don't look like big giants out there. They look, they're like quite small in comparison to their opponents. If it comes to the talent department, um, I think the 49ers, I haven't bet it yet, but the 49ers minus 14 is interesting. If it gets a 13 and a half, I actually might play it because again, they're coming off that, uh, big rest advantage, continuing their dominant season. It is a in-division game, which they're going to need to win and play with authority. And there's money coming in on the Cardinals, but it's massive public after being a home win against the Cowboys last week. I don't see that continuing. Uh, I think this is the week where the Cardinals get smacked back to reality. Uh, anything else that you liked particularly? I gave it, I went through all my bets previously. I, I have not bet the Seahawks and I had not bet the 49ers yet. So I was talking about those. But if anyone wants to hear all of my bets, they are already posted on the Tuesday podcast. Yeah, so I I do, um, and I said I wanted to start in reverse. I went to the Seahawks first. So this one I'm not as confident in, but I, I, I do feel like it goes back to what I'm saying about what the preseason rankings would be in. It's only three weeks in. Like, we don't know exactly if it's an off week or it's a good week, but the Jaguars owner from London, they have experience as a franchise flying out there. Um, they have a big fan base there because Khan is a London resident. And uh, I think them versus the Falcons, Trevor Lawrence versus Desmond Ritter, minus three. Give me that. I, I think that at a 9 a.m. game in London, is going to be a volatile game. There's going to be big numbers in some type of direction. So if you're going to give me the team that I think is way better in the Jaguars at minus three, could they lose by eight? Yes. Um, could they win by 24? I think so. So give me the Jaguars minus three in London. I am heads up with you in that game. I am already on the Falcons, so the listeners can decide. Let's go. They they heard you give the Jaguars now. They can go listen to Tuesday Pod and hear my reasoning on the Atlanta Falcons, or they could follow me on Twitter at FiddlesPicks. You could subscribe to the YouTube channel you're watching this video on. You could subscribe to the podcast feed you're listening to this podcast on. We will be back next week. And you can also subscribe to my Fiddle Picks newsletter, which is where I send picks, write-ups, best bets, graphics, DFS advice, and give out free rookie cards every week to a follower and subscriber 
It doesn't have to be a new one. If you are a subscriber to the Fiddle Picks Substack, you get entered every single week to win a giveaway. So follow me on those places. Thank you for tuning in. Alex, thank you for your time. We will see you next week. Good luck to everyone this weekend. Let's bring home a bag. And as always, peace out. Happy football, everybody. Oh,